0: Hello Jubilee, morning. It's great to be together. Um, it's fun, isn't it? Not only because of the photos, of course they'll be fun, even more fun afterwards, but it's just great to be together, worshipping God, receiving from Him, having fun and laughter and really seeing the joy of God uh, amongst us. Um, now, uh, I just need a bit of help with this. When we finish here and you get home and you're about to eat, what do you call that? Is it lunch dinner, tea, what what is it that you call that? Because I can tell the difference between kitchen and chicken, but I've never been able to work this out. So what would it be? Lunch. You see, I told you. I know kitchen is the place where you cook the chicken and eat it, but I've never been able to work this out. Anyway, um, hands up if you've already got plans for your lunch, dinner or tea or whatever it is after church. Brilliant. I'm coming to yours. No, no. Uh, brilliant, great. So, lots of people have already got plans, and you could tell it was generally our British friends because uh, plan usually goes well with this culture. But if you've already got plans, and if you've been thinking, There's actually this person at church who's been coming along for a few months or maybe even a year or years. I really wanted to get them along. I really wanted to get to know them uh, and maybe their family really well. I just haven't been able to uh, sort out a time or arrange a time to meet them. Why didn't you just do that now? Don't worry about the number of chairs um, in your dining table. Don't worry about the amount of food that you've prepared um, because that's not how God works. So use this opportunity today Invite somebody along, somebody that you've wanted to know for the past few months or years, uh, to get to know them and go uh, take them home afterwards and enjoy some food. God will bless it. He'll, he will managed to feed 5,000 men alone and, um, with just a few loaves of bread and fish. I'm sure He can feed us all with what you've prepared. So, um, that's great. And today you'll notice that I've got my normal clothes on because uh, last week... <laughs> It was the 18th birthday of Jubilee, and it was great. And I thought, I was really excited uh, about being able to wear traditional clothes. Uh, so we had a bit of a practice with Mabash at her so she had hers on and I had mine. And I was just changing things around and trying to make it um, look more traditional. And it was in the morning on Sunday. I was about to leave the house with my traditional clothes on to get in the car. So I thought what am I going to do? I just opened the door, looked around, there wasn't anyone, and I ran as fast as I could <laughs> to the car. My wife said, what did you do that for? I said, well, not many people are familiar with other cultures really around here, or not many people know what, what sort of clothes this is. so I'm not really comfortable. But wait, when we get to Jubilee, obviously we've got lots of different nations around, and they'll all be familiar, and yeah, you'll, you'll see why I ran to the car. Then we got here, I hadn't been mocked as much as I was last week in my whole life, even back home for my faith. Um, and then, seriously, you guys are amazing. Uh, and yet, I thought we were a multicultural church. So, yeah, I'd never do that again here. Anyway, no, I'm joking. I, uh, I, I, well, you don't want me to. You're just being nice. But um, Anyway, uh, Hello Jesus is the... Um, title of our sermon series uh, that we're following, um, and really looking at the encounters um, that uh, people have had with Jesus, different people. And today we're looking at the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 10, verses 1 to 7. So it's the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 to 7. If you'd like to get your Bibles out and follow it along, if not, it'll be projected on the screen, and I'll read them along. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money back. No knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Amen. Let's pray. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your church. We thank you for your words. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for this wonderful opportunity that you've given us to come together knowing that you are here, knowing that we come together and we bring Uh, your presence, the the Spirit of God in us together. And Lord, I thank you for the joy and laughter that we have. Thank you for the joy that comes from above. Thank you that it's nothing like the joy that the world gives us. And Lord, we pray that as uh, we try to unpack your Word, that you lead us with your Spirit. Lord, I pray that as we read your Word and as we try to understand the meaning behind them and as we try to understand every word that you spoke lord i pray that you change our hearts i pray that your word would penetrate our hearts and i pray that there'd be a change of heart and i pray that there'd be a growth and there'd be a love for your word which would result in better love for you lord jesus we thank you for your love that never ends in your mighty name amen Great. Um, Not that I'm being rebellious, but I've got four points today. Um, Usually there's either none uh, or a few, but I thought, well, I'll stick with four today. So, and the first one being mission. Um, I was a bit nervous about putting that on there because I thought that mission is probably the most misunderstood word um, in Christian churches. When we talk about mission, people have different ideas. When we talk about mission, it's either people going to the nations or people going and doing something for a reason. Uh, in some parts of the world, you can't even use the word mission. Um, Paul was just saying that he came back from Turkey. In Turkey, you can't use the word mission. Um, you can't talk about missionary uh, because of people's understandings and people's experiences with it over the years. But. I believe what Jesus did here was sending the 72, he sent them on a mission. Now, what does mission mean? Let's have a look at it and see what did the 72 do and what sort of commands did Jesus give them um, that made it a mission to them. Um, Probably after the Trinity, the word mission is the most misunderstood. Um, In previous chapters, we see that Jesus has already done this. It's not something new. It's not that Jesus says, Oh, I fancy sending some people out. I actually need some time on my own and these guys are always following me, so I'll just send them away uh, and then I can have some me time and then they'll come back and we'll take it all from there. No, he had done it already with the 12. With his 12 disciples, closest people to him. He'd already sent them out saying, Go and do this and that. So he'd already given them commandments of what to do. And now, he's sending the 72. Now, some manuscripts say it's 70, some say 72. Uh, And it's really difficult to know which one's the actual one. Um, And if people try to tell you that we think it's 70 because of this reason, or we think it's 72 for this reason, don't believe them. I remember Jeremy North once uh, was talking about uh, the thorn on Paul's side from Ephesians. And he said, we don't really know whether it was an actual thorn on his side or whether he was talking about a spiritual thing. Um, And if theologians try to convince you that it's one or the other, don't believe them because they don't know what they're talking about. Nobody knows. So we've got to be careful not to read too much into the Bible and not to try and make sense of it, taking it outside the context. So 70 or 72, uh, again, it's a number, but numbers are of significance in the Bible. Three, seven. 12, 40. These are all important numbers. Um, so, why 70 or 72? 70 was the number of uh, the elders chosen by Moses uh, in the book of Numbers. Um, so when God said, oh, you don't want to take it all on your own, knowing his people really well, he said, you need some men <clears throat> that can have the spirit that is on you so that they can help you with the work that you're doing, they can help you with the ministry that you're you have. So Moses chose the elders from uh, different tribes from amongst the people, and the spirit of God laid on them. Um, And two of them stayed behind, Eldad and Midad, and they were still prophesying. Um, At this point, Joshua got a bit upset, but Moses said, hey, uh, don't worry, don't be jealous for me. But this is the number 70. And 72 in Genesis 10 is a Jewish belief that at the time was the number of the nations in the world. So when you were talking to a Jew at that time, Uh, they would say, when you talk about 72, they'd be talking about the whole world. Um, And that's taken from Genesis chapter 10. Um, Who were these guys? They were um, academics, they were well-educated people, they all had really good businesses and they they all had really good income and uh, they were great people at the time. All the people wanted to hang around with them. Uh, No, not. None of these were true. We don't really know who they were. We know who the 12 were. And there weren't anything like the descriptions I gave. But we don't really know who these guys were. Their names are not there. We can try and make them up. But again, I'd be lying. Um, So don't try and come up with the names for these 72. But what that says is that there are quite a lot of people here that you probably don't know that well or you don't even know the name for uh, who are serving the Lord faithfully. And they're they're not really known to the people. And again, throughout the world, There are lots and lots of Christians who are serving the Lord faithfully. Lots and lots of Christians on mission for God. They've given everything, just like many people in here. But they're not really known. Their names are not in many books. Their names aren't written anywhere in particular other than in the book of the Lamb of God, in the book of life. Um, And what's interesting is that none of them are upset about that. Because they could have given their life and energy and finances to something else and they could have made a big name for themselves, but they just haven't because God had called them to something else. And they're not really upset that they're not, their name is not um, in the news or it's not in big places. And they don't, they're not associated with big people, uh, with high-ranking people. And that's always a really encouragement to me because I know some of these guys. I know people uh, personally as well. Uh, Who are like that in here and outside jubilee. So it's a great encouragement. So Don't be offended if you're doing things and your name is not mentioned because the name of these 72 guys is not mentioned Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament in many ways and again This was a prophetic symbolic act of Jesus that I'm sending these guys who have the Spirit of God I've imparted my spirit on them and I'm sending them out to the world They were sent out two by two. um, And that's why we always say that leadership has got to be plural. Two by two gives you accountability. Two by two makes sure that you don't compromise things. Two by two makes sure that if you need encouragement, the other person gives you encouragement. Or you can be an encouragement to your friend, brother, or sister. So this is why Jesus did that. And also, again, they came back later on as we read, and they said, oh, we did this and that, and it was great, and it was amazing. A witness of one person is not really that significant. Particularly in that culture, two people had to give witness. So again, this is going down. That's why he sent them two by two. And Jesus didn't say, "Um, I think I've had enough of you. Uh, Do you want to go and do some work? I'll actually do some give you some power you can go and do something and yeah take your time do it you want to go for two days make it four I'll even pay for your hotel and other things Uh, uh, yeah just go give me some time I need some space Uh, I learned this word when I came to this country space Um, but then uh, Jesus didn't really do it that way it's like you know when a boy and a girl want to get married and the girl's father says no and then the girl insists and cries, and then the boy comes and says, please, uh, sir, may I have your daughter's hand? And then they insist and they do things, and, um, and then I the say, all right then, uh, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll give you my blessing. But don't expect anything else other than that. It wasn't like this. Jesus didn't do it that way. He said, look, come here. I know you've got quite a lot on your hands, but I want you to do something. I want to send you out, and I'm not just saying go, I'm giving you my authority, I'm giving you my power, I'm giving you my spirit, I'm blessing you with this wonderful gift and it's not just a blessing for you to keep, I want to give you my authority so that you can go out and exercise it, so that you can go before me and tell the world that the kingdom of God is at hand, that the kingdom of God is near and that means a lot. To give full blessing and authority. So Jesus doesn't do things halfway through. He fulfills them. He does them fully. Do you feel like that? Do you feel fulfilled in the mission that God has given you? Do you feel like you've just got the blessing of that guy who said, all right then, you can do it? Or do you feel you've been given authority? You've been given the Spirit of God that you have the authority that Jesus gave you To declare his word. Do you feel fulfilled in life? If you're a Christian, it's really important to ask yourself that question very often. Do I feel fulfilled? Now I remember, well, before I tell you that, I've got to say that I'm the last person to be blowing my own trumpet. Because I've actually got nothing to boast about. Uh, But also culturally, it's really wrong for me to do that. But I remember once Stu was praying for me, And uh, being the very nice guy he is, he was praying and then he said, Oh, I thank you God that this man is content and he feels fulfilled. And I thought, wow, that is a great encouragement. Um, And I took that away with me. And I just kept mulling over it. and And I asked God, why is it that I feel content? It's great, it's a great feeling. Why is it that I feel fulfilled? And somebody else, my brother in my family can see that. And God reminded me that it's because of Him. I actually have nothing, nothing at all to feel content about. But I have a God who has everything. And it's not about having things. It's about having that relationship with God. And if you want to feel fulfilled in your life, there's only one answer. And that's Jesus Christ. If you don't feel that you're fulfilled, maybe the answer is you. Maybe you are not operating where you should be. Maybe it's you and your relationship with God. Because it can't be Jesus. You can't find fault in Him. So if you don't feel fulfilled, look at yourself and see where you stand with your relationship with God. Remember, if you're on a mission, it's not just for today. If you're on a mission, it's not just, oh, I'm going to do it For this generation, I'm going to do something in 10 years' time when I've earned enough money and in 10 years' time when I've just done about 5 degrees and other things, and these are all good things, uh, then I might get a bit serious about Jesus. No, you can't be serious while you study at university. You can't be serious about Jesus while you're earning money. You can't be serious about Jesus while you're living life, just like many people in here are doing. I'm really encouraged when people from here when our young people are going to university in other places in the UK or maybe even abroad, and the first thing they look for is a church. Spirit-filled, Bible-believing church. And it's great to have Molly with us today because she did that. And you know what? It's because she takes responsibility for her walk with God, which means she's responsible for her walk with God and others around her by, the, uh, by spreading the gospel. So, If you don't feel fulfilled, know that you have a mission. And if you're on a mission, it's not just for today. And it's not even for your lifetime in here. Because you're responsible for the next generation as well. You're not just responsible for the people who are living around in your own lifetime. You're responsible for passing on the legacy to the next generation. So two generations will benefit from what you do in God. And sometimes we feel... Oh, God really needs me. If I'm not there, then God can't do it. If that's you, you're actually getting in the way. If that's how you feel, then um, please get out of the way because God wants to do it and he does it really well. So that's mission. Uh, I've been on many trips, uh, which people would call uh, mission trips, um, in different parts of the world, uh, some of which you don't want to travel to, uh, even for holiday, never mind for mission. Uh, And I've never felt as safe on those places. And it's not just because I thought, oh, I'm just, I just feel like going into it and it's just great because some of the Christians are doing it and let's just do it because it's amazing and it's exciting. No, because I felt that God's called me to do that and I did it. And God led me and I never felt safe just like those moments that I did. In some of the most difficult parts of the world where... It's forbidden to talk about Jesus. And if it's you, and you think, if I take the mission of Jesus to my college, I'm going to get oppositions. Yes, you will. Um, If you take the word of Jesus to your workplace, yes, you will get oppositions. Because it's nothing new. Jesus said that already. But know that he said something else as well. Let's read on. My second point, harvest. Jesus said, harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's harvest time, uh, and I've had many schools calling me uh, uh, and churches uh, for food bank to say, Oh, we've, got, we've had a collection. Can you come and pick up some food um, for the work of food bank? I actually heard that another school gave to the wonderful work of Open Door uh, the other day, um, which is wonderful and it's amazing. Um, and I was on BBC Tees this morning uh, on the radio. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping that not many of you would be listening, but Lynn said that she heard me. Uh, so there we go, uh, talking about the harvest. and the role of the church in that. So it's harvest time. And we, we see that and we hear um, uh, about harvest quite a lot, particularly at this time of year. Now, to some of us who have no experience, just like me, of agriculture, it might just, you might just think, okay, it's about, oh, there's some fruit, we pick it up and we eat it and that's it. I think there's more to it than that. I haven't got experience of agriculture, but I've seen my work in, in the garden. So I know a bit about it. Um, so what she does is, the first thing is that she goes and clears the garden. Um, and that's the bit I don't really like, because it just looks messy for a few minutes at the beginning. Then she tries to pull weeds and other things out. So she's brutal on the, on the land. I'm thinking, oh, that actually, yeah, that is a weed, but it looks nice. And then, but she still takes it out, because uh, they have no purpose. Uh, and the, our garden is not the right place for them, according to Mavash. So she just takes them out. Then what she does is she finds some nice, beautiful plants, puts them there, puts the soil back on there. Um, She's got some seeds, puts the seeds in there, waters them. And just as I think I can get a cup of tea and sit down in the garden, just like my English friends, and enjoy my cup of tea, I look around and there's nothing in there. And she comes in and says, oh yeah, they'll be sprouting in about three months' time. And I scratch my head and think, you did some work now for three months' time, so why don't you just do it in three months' time? And then she reminds me that if she does it in three months' time, then it takes another few months for them to grow. So that's how uh, farming works, really. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So you got the hint of it. You can tell I'm an experienced farmer. So... But no, seriously, for farming it's even more difficult and there's more things to it. Uh, Sometimes when we talk about harvest, we always want to look at things that are ready and ripe, but it doesn't work like that all the time. The harvest time is here now and people are able to donate things and give things and be thankful to God for what he's given them because they worked for it. And it's the same. Jesus says, harvest is plentiful and there's plenty of harvest. Some of them are ripe and ready and low hanging fruit, some are developing. Some are sprouting. Some are just growing. But what Jesus says is that the work is a few. Here, yeah, the harvest is there and it's great. The work is a few. What does that mean to you and I? We just have to work harder. No, Jesus says something different because he never wants us to rely on our own strength. Jesus comes and says, the harvest is great. Look around. Yes, it's great. We see that. Lots of people around us who don't know Jesus. Lots of people who are ready to get to know Him. Lots of people who have questions about Him. And then he says, but the workers are few. But, pray to God. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. I remember that once Raj was talking about Alpha in one of his preachers a couple of years ago. And then he said, I think it was either Jeshua or Jemima they were praying around the table and then they were praying for Alpha and the guests to come on Alpha and then Jeshua, Jemima said, oh yes, Lord, we want them all to come to get to know you. Um, And that really spoke to me because we usually say, oh, let lots of them come or or at least half of them or we settle for 10% of them. But children who sometimes have a better understanding of the Bible correct us. So they said, we want them all Is that your prayer today for Alpha? Is that what you pray that every single person who comes on Alpha would be saved? Every single person who comes on Alpha would get to know Jesus personally? Is that your prayer? And if you feel that you exist so that this church would exist, and you exist so that you can be saved, I think you're wrong. I actually don't think, I believe you're wrong, because that's not the intention that Jesus has for you and your life. As Christians, we look outwards. As Christians, we serve more than we are served. As Christians, we look for opportunities of giving. As Simon was talking about the gift day today. Where on earth have you seen people giving their money and their finances, but dancing around it and giving it joyfully, other than the church? Now, people outside might think we're crazy, but that's what I call faith. Faith. The church exists not so that we can serve one another, and of course that's part of it, but more than that, so that we can serve the neighbourhood who don't know Jesus. Sometimes we're quick in matchmaking processes. We see a boy and a girl and we say, oh, do you want to come round for tea? And then you invite them round and you try to be nice to both of them. and be, Oh, yeah, do you know this person? And do you know this person? And that's, yeah, uh, yeah. And then they get to know each other and... Sometimes we love doing that at churches. I personally don't. But sometimes people do that. And I'm not saying that's wrong uh, necessarily, but I just uh, don't find it very helpful. But when it comes to other people and introducing Jesus to them, we're a bit ashamed. We think, "Mm, yeah, they actually can't see Jesus, so how do I introduce him to them? Um, Jesus sometimes talks a bit about weird stuff. How can I talk to them about Jesus? Or maybe Jesus says things that they don't like to hear because they're actually living a life that is opposite to what Jesus is calling them to. So I don't want to offend them now. It's fine. But introducing Jesus to others is more important than matchmaking. So let's do that more often, Jubilee. Let's be more proactive about getting Jesus known regardless of his difficulties. And as we do that, people will either be thinking, oh, why didn't you tell me earlier? Or they'll be asking questions, oh, what about this and what about that? Or they'll be thinking, oh, you don't really know what you're talking about. You believe in an ancient person who you don't even know whether it existed or not. So there's lots of different reactions to that. But as we do that, God will cause growth. As we do that, you step out in faith and you see more of what God has for you. And if you think growth is not a good thing, let me tell you, it is. Because growth brings change, and change is a very bad word in some of the churches. But with growth, change comes. When Jesus says that the harvest is plentiful, do you think, yes, there's more opportunity for me? Yeah, that's amazing, more people to come to get to know God. Yeah, more people to be added to the kingdom of God. Do you feel an excitement in your heart, thinking, Wow, I've got more opportunity to talk about my king. Or does it not really excite you? If it doesn't, go before him and ask ask him, the giver of life, to renew your heart. Because for a Christian, there's nothing better than hearing that people have come to get to know God. And then the second thing is for Christians to grow. Jesus says, pray, that's my third point. That's exactly what he says. Pray. It doesn't say work harder um, or try to, to do things uh, the other way or try to find shortcuts. He says pray. And you know, that's what we're going to do on Wednesday. Pray. Mm. Come and join us as we get together as a church to pray for quite a lot of things but focusing on Alpha in particular. Come and join us. Be obedient to God's call. Pray to Him if you find it difficult. Pray if you don't know what your calling is. Talk to Him. God is at work in here at Jubilee. God's at work in Teesside. When we were getting together with the ministry team this morning, we were praying for the neighborhood so that they can hear our cries, so they can hear our worship. And we have no shame in worshipping Jesus. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. I'm going to make make it a bit quick and move on to my next point, because we're running out of time, thanks to Matthew and all his funny photos. <laughs> Jesus says something else. He says, I'm sending you, as, sending you out as lambs among wolves. Now, the idea of lamb is great to me. If you know me, um, there's quite a lot of things you can do with a lamb, especially if you buy it from the butcher. But the idea of a wolf... Mm, uh, I remember that Paul Cattrall was talking about um, driving uh, with one of our Eritrean brothers in the car. And they were driving up in the motorway and um, he saw this uh, flock and sheep and lamb and the cows around. And he asked Paul the question, where's the shepherd? And Paul thinking, shepherd? Mm, At home. The guy asked again, where is the shepherd? Paul said, maybe at home. And he asked again, where is the shepherd? Because the shepherd's supposed to be with the, <laughs> with the people, <laughs> with the flock. And then Paul said, I saw somebody in a big motorbike going off and taking the, the route towards the, the land and towards the flock. And I said, oh, that might be the shepherd. And I can imagine the guy thinking, is he the shepherd? He's really rich. Shepherds aren't really rich. But hey, um, so Jesus says, you are lambs and I'll send you out amongst wolves. Now, sometimes when you're given a task, especially if it's from God, you expect some encouragement. So you expect Him to say, okay, I want you to go and move that mountain. By the way, I've already done that. I just need you to go and look out and just call it out so that people can come and see it. And you just run out and do it. Or He says, I want you to go and lay hand on the sick to be healed. By the way, I've already started the process. I just want you to go and declare my name. Okay, I'll go and do it. I want you to go out and declare my name, but you would like a lamb and there's lots of wolves around. Uh Uh-oh. Is it Jesus' English? Maybe he meant something else. I'll send you out as lamb uh, amongst the good pasture. Um, No, it's not. Jesus got it right. Um, I have a friend um, who was a shepherd back home. Um, He was telling me a story once. He said um, it was around 5 o'clock in the morning, and he used to live in the mountains, very cold. Uh, He was around 13 years old, 5 o'clock in the morning, dark, cold, winter night. And he took his flock out, and he had a big dog with him. He said, I went, and he was just telling me a story. He said, I went out to the mountains and to find some good pastures, and then I saw a pair of eyes looking at me. And I looked. It couldn't be a person. It couldn't be a human being. It was a wolf. And I thought, yeah, I'm waiting for him to say I ran away. He said, said, okay, what did you do? He said, I got my stick, I spoke to my dog and said, you go that way, I'll go this way, and we'll beat him. And I thought, he'll just say, well, when I did that, the wolf saw us and ran away. He actually did that. So he sent his dog from one way, and he went from the back, and they tried to beat the wolf, and the wolf ran away. And you know why he did that? Not because he was 13 and he was fearless. I would have ran away only hearing the word wolf at that time of night. Uh, five o'clock is not in the morning. Um, but he did that because he was a shepherd. He did that because he was interested in his flock. He did that to protect the flock. And that's what Jesus says. You're the sheep. You're the lamb that are going out. And there are wolves. But what you've got to realize is when there are lambs around, there's a shepherd. I am the shepherd. I am the great shepherd looking after you. And that's why these people went out and they didn't get scared. Because they knew that Jesus is the great shepherd looking after them. And when you see the churches uh, and the leaders trying to deal with difficult situations sometimes when there are wolves around, that's what shepherds have to do. You get them, you talk to them, you send a dog from the other side and you beat them. No, that's not how you do it. But the shepherds are responsible for that. And God is the great shepherd and he's also put shepherds in place for his flock. When you send your children out to school, I know usually you go with them in this culture, but uh, in many cultures, children just have their breakfast and then go out, merry, and then uh, have fun along the way to the school and they get to the school. The parents don't think, oh, I'm sending my lamb among the wolves. Um, That's a terrible thought for parents. And Jesus, being interested in us, he had this thought that I'm sending you as vulnerable. People, you are vulnerable. You are going to have... Oppositions towards you. He says, watch out. The Bible uses this language to warn us. Um, in that part of the world in the Middle East, it's still very common to call people wolves, people who are dangerous. Uh, I was having a conversation with Akin um, who, um, before he goes to Turkey. So we were talking about Istanbul and how great it is and beautiful parts of it and um, how great it is to, to visit. And you can visit Istanbul many times during your lifetime and still find interesting stuff. And then we were talking about dangers of going to Istanbul as somebody who is not from that area, and dangerous areas. And we were talking about how vulnerable a tourist can be in particular parts of it, if you're not familiar with there. And then he said, yeah, people can be like wolves around there. And then I thought, yeah, I know what you mean. I immediately knew what he meant. So talking about wolves still makes sense in that part of the world. People who are after opportunities, people who are after their own um, interests. So Jesus says, be careful and don't take anything with you. Don't take money, don't take your credit card, don't take uh, an extra pair of shoes, don't take anything. Um, He's talking about getting our priorities right. He wants to teach us to depend on Him but also getting our priorities right. If we're not taking anything, then we're depending on God for His provision, but also we know that He'll provide, and we know that the priority is the mission of God. Um, I had to ask Simon for a list of things he takes uh, when he goes away, um, uh, when he goes on a mission trip. And sometimes it's things like lipstick, hair straightener. So if that's you, don't worry about taking this sort of stuff with you. Just make sure that you depend on God. I once went to Sheffield for a leadership training, and I was uh, going to preach uh, in front of a group of leaders. Um, So I had everything in my suitcase ready, and it was great. And I thought, oh, I'll take the Bible with me as well, because it's handy. Um, And it was summer, so I had my shorts on with flip-flops and a T-shirt. I went there, got there, and realized I hadn't brought my suitcase with me. So I had to preach in front of these guys in my flip-flop and shorts, and Luke was there, and they made the fun of me, not as much as you did last week because of my yeah. traditional dress, but that's how it happened. But if I hadn't taken the Word of God with me, I would have got my priorities wrong. Of course, I was a bit annoyed that I didn't take the other things with me as well, but that just—that there weren't priorities. I was still able to preach the Word of God without them. But later on, When they come back, he tells them, oh, did you lack anything? They say, no. And Jesus is not surprised. He says, well, when you went out there and I told you not to take your credit card, did you manage to put some fuel in your car? "Uh, Yeah, I did. And did you have to run away? No, the guy told me you don't need to pay for it. "Um, Okay, I didn't lack anything. When I gave you that big kebab to take with you, did you have to buy another one? No, it lasted me all the way. Um, So they didn't lack anything. And he tells them, don't greet anyone on the road. Now, this is really important if you, if you know that culture. Because greetings can take a long, long, long time. So you see somebody on the street, you just have to ask them how they are about ten times, ask about their family, ask about their cousins, their second cousins, and ask about almost anyone that you have common or you know of. And then talk about business, talk about weather, talk about quite a lot of things before you can set off. So Jesus says, don't be distracted. When we used to live in uh, Gresham um, and I was, a few years ago, I was going to uni, uh, Mavish and I used to live half an hour earlier before, uh, before the actual time. So we used to leave half an hour just because there were quite a lot of people that we knew on the streets there, whether people from Open Door, whether our friends, or whether people from the church, from other cultures, and obviously they were from a similar culture, and we had to stand there and talk to them. It'd be rude just to say, all right, and then just go. Um, so we used to live half an hour in there Jesus says don't do it when you're on mission don't do that, don't waste your time stay focused on your mission don't get caught up with cultural stuff yeah of course it's great to know about other cultures it's great to to respect other cultures as long as it doesn't clash with what Jesus has told us but don't really worry about those sort of things it's great that people can greet me in my own language when I come in here and it's just great Uh, but hey, even if you don't do that it's fine I would encourage you to carry on doing it. But when you're on mission, don't worry. Focus on what God has called you to. Stay focused. And the final point is the peace of God, which passes all understandings, which Paul uh, read to us this morning as well. Um, Be peaceful Christians. Seek peace when you go in. When you go into a house, uh, peace is a very common greeting in that part of the world. You go and say shalom or salam. Peace of God be on you. Peace of God. Well, in Tearside, it'd be all right, mate. Uh, That's the sort of things that that Jesus says, seek the peace of the house, and the peace of God will rest there if they accept you. Don't go from house to house. Don't move around. Um, Again, I can really relate to that because when we go to Derby, that's what happens. Uh, people want us to go from this place to that place, but we try to stay in one place because if people want to come to us, they know where we are. And know that if you believe in Jesus, your house is the house of God. So when people come in, accept them and take them in. I think I'm going to wrap it up because we've gone over time. but um, I'm not going to ask the uh, the worship team to come up, um, but Considering what we heard about the four points in here, I just want us to take a few moments and reflect on it, taking into account the mission that God has called us to as a church, taking into account the Alpha in the evening that we have, which is not the only thing that we have as a mission, but it's a very important part of it since it's going to take place this evening. And I want you to focus on where you fit in and whether you feel fulfilled in that. Let's just bow our heads for a few minutes um, and then we'll send the collection buckets round um, then we'll have tea and coffee together and fellowship. So let's just have a few minutes before God. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that the ultimate fulfillment of life is knowing where you've called us to, is having a relationship with you, and knowing your love and grace and peace for us. Lord, we pray that as we go on mission, as we are on mission already, as we are people on a mission, that you go before us, that you send your spirit before us. I pray that as you've called us to be uh, people... Who are worshippers, that you'd protect us in this in this mission, Lord. I pray that wherever you've called us to, from our neighbors to the nations, that your mission would be fruitful, and that we'd be able to take part in this harvest, Lord, while we receive people who are going to help us in that, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your peace that passes all understandings, that is with us. And Lord, we thank you that it's not about what we do, but it's about what you have done already and what you continue to do in the lives of people. We commit the rest of our hours to you today, and we pray, be with us, particularly for Alpha this evening, Lord. We pray that the fruits would come to being this evening, Lord. We pray that we'd see people coming to get to know you. And we pray, Lord, we long to see salvation. But Lord, all of this for your glory, because if you're not in this, Lord, we don't want to move. But we know that you have called us to it. And we know that your spirit is there before us. So we commit all of this to you. The Lord above all lords. God of our mission. We praise your name, Jesus. Amen.